and welcome to this week's The Marvel Wrap, a 20-part podcast where we go through the chronological uh, Marvel Cinematic Universe. So it's in preparation for the Avengers Endgame in April, so you're going to see this combination of the TV series now and the films, how it all comes together. My name is Simon Collum. I'm, I, I write, I podcast, I, uh, I, I watch MCU films, and I feel like that's all I'm doing at the moment. Um, but I am supported by uh, Sabina Stent, the doctor herself. Uh, how are you doing, Sabina? Hi, I'm good, thank you. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. good. I just, my head is... It's weird. Everybody's talking about awards season and this film and that film. And I'm just like, I'm watching Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. though. Is yeah. anybody watching Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D.? I, so. Yeah, but we can link that into... Eventually that will come into it with Black Panther. So it's all relevant. It's all good. I know. It's all relevant. It will all come together. Yeah. And then we have uh, Amon, uh, our comic book man himself, Amon Warman. Uh, how are you doing, fella? Uh, I was good until my introduction. There's still no singing, Simon. I told you I wasn't going to be as expected and still not getting anything. So that's the Okay, question. okay. I'll, um, I'll wait for a good... No, no, no. The, the, the moment has passed now, so you missed it again. <laughs> um, but yeah. Again, this is the first time I should have done it. This is the second the time. time I, I the second time. This is the second time that... I feel like last time didn't count. I felt like last time it was a, a song for Sabina and then I didn't sing for you <laughs> on the prem- promise that I would sing for you in the future. Mm-hmm. But um, this isn't it. So I think it's going to be a surprise when Simon does eventually uh, sing. It's going to catch us both up. Uh, we shall see. We shall see. But uh, yes, I am doing good. Um, I just have one question uh, before we get started. Does anybody want to get out? <laughs> No, 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 no. Good. We are, we are well on. We're set, in the right? lift with you. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we are on Twitter at Marvel Rap. We can be emailed at marvelrappodcast at gmail dot com. Uh, this week is the Jim Robinson episode. Um, should I explain why it's the Jim Robinson episode, or do you think you know if you know? You're who Jim dying Robinson to is, explain, guys? so just explain. <laughs> Okay, I'll explain. Are you that young, Gavin? Surely, surely. Band of the 90s uh, series of Neighbours where classic actors such as Kylie Minogue, Guy Pearce, Russell Crowe all emerge from the fine crop of actors in Neighbours. Jason Donovan. In the late 80s. and uh, Jason Donovan. Jason Donovan. That's it. I think Russell Crowe. I think Jason Donovan. How how could I have <laughs> forgotten <laughs> Jason Donovan uh, from the eighties and nineties? But also in that period was, of course, Alan Dale, uh, who played Jim Robinson, who appears in The Winter Soldier. So uh, this is our Jim Robinson episode, uh, where we talk about The Winter Soldier, uh, Captain America, and the last, the end of the first series of Shield, which has to deal with the fallout of, of Captain America: The Winter Soldier Two. So cast your mind back to March 2014, breaking in $714 million, uh, directed by the Russo brothers, who at this time we were all thinking, oh, those fellas from Community, they should be all right, directors. No. Uh, came, it's Captain America, the Winter Soldier, quite a big deal. Um, uh, I went to the cinema pretty, pretty like, yeah, okay, this is a sequel. Yeah, this will be fun. Um, what about you guys? Uh, Sabina, were you, how, how did you go to cinema for Captain America? I, w- I was there. Um, I, it was actually the VU on, is it Regent Street? That cinema is still there. It's, it was when I was living in London. Um, I loved it. 
I was I was like one of maybe four or five people one afternoon. And yeah, I'm oh I mean it just blew me away this one. It's non-stop. Loved it. Really loved it. Did you anticipate it being a good one? Like did, when you went to it, did you think um, it worked? Because I mean, we were I mean, all pretty muted on yeah. Captain America First Avenger. Yeah, I mean, as as I've said before, I'm always hesitant when it's sequel because you've always kind of like, is this going to be better? Is it going to just completely um, undermine the first one? And I, I just, I went in with kind of, you know, I wanted it to be good, but I didn't pin all my hopes on it. Um, I didn't watch Community. I've never, I've never really watched Community, um, even though I've probably seen bits of the episode so I, I didn't know like the Russo brothers as a you know as as directors and I just went in sat there absolutely mesmerized for like was it two hours 10 minutes something like that um yeah. fantastic I came out going that is absolutely that I came out going that is like probably one of my favorite ones if not the favorite one it still ranks very very high for me I love it I absolutely love this one and what about yourself, Amon? Would you, how psyched were you going into this? I was very psyched, um, and it's it very interesting because you know we were discussing uh, when, when we were discussing the first Avenger, how you know, and then also the Avengers. How Captain America was nobody's favorite Avenger going into the first Avengers. Um, for me, and I think for many others as well, that feeling started to change a little bit when in the, when in Avengers, Tony says, "Call it Captain." And he sort of, you know, takes charge and, you know, immediately these group of really powerful people are listening to that dude. Um, and that is when mm. that is when my perception of Captain America started to change. And it's interesting because I remember watching the trailers for The Winter Soldier and showing them to my family. And, you know, they had not been sort of very impressed by the first Avenger. But they looked at the trailers and it was like, already that looks better. And I think a big reason why that was the case is because in the first Avenger, um, a film which you know we discussed that you know I like despite despite some uh, despite having some reservations about it, I do like it, especially on a character level. But on an action level, you don't really get the sense of what it means to be a super soldier in the first Avenger, even in. Avengers Assemble, you don't really fully get a sense of what being a super soldier allows you to do. Within the first 10 minutes of Captain America, the Winter Soldier, you get what being a super soldier means. Um, and the action sequences, you know, I'm, I get ahead of myself, but the action sequences in this film, every single one of them is memorable. Um, so, you know, that has, has that going for it as well. But I, I remember being in the screening for this, and again, I, I also came out at the press screening, and everybody was losing their minds. Or maybe it was just me, and I'm just you know, projecting, um, because I was very excited coming out of that <laughs> screening. Um, and yeah, I, I completely fell in love with this movie from the first minute onwards, um, because it has one of my favorite opening scenes to any MCU movie. I think, so I think it's top three. Um, the fact that you immediately buy that relationship between Falcon and Cap within four minutes of screen time is a testament to both the writing and the acting. And just the the, the way that they updated Falcon, because in the comics, Falcon is, you know, he's a social worker turned superhero. 
He's a dude who can fly because he wear he wears the big metal wings and he can telepathically talk to um, his friend, which is a bird. Uh, his, his name is Red Wing. In Captain America Civil War, he makes an appearance, but uh, he's not sort of um, a bird. He's like a he's like a mechanical uh, like gadget, um, which uh, Falcon has to his ensemble. Um, but they update him uh, very very well for this movie. In this movie, he's a um, war veteran. Um, who's uh, um, counselling other veterans who are affected by guilt and regret and PTSD and all that sort of stuff. And it's just the perfect way to update the character for the MCU and to um, make you immediately buy into that bond with Captain America. Um, so, yeah, I've I, I got much more to say about this film. Um, but, yeah, in a nutshell, I love it. I have to admit, um, Falcon was is just such a smooth fit into the MCU. It's kind of crazy when you watch this. You feel like he's like you said, it establishes so quickly. You just it's so natural, so comfortably part of this world. Um, you kind of it's weird to think that this is when he arrived. So I wouldn't say late on. I guess we're eight films in, but you know what I mean. You know, at this point, and you know, yeah, he is great. And Anthony Mackie. Then again, Anthony Mackie does kind of. You could argue that uh, the Hurt Locker was like you know a prequel to uh, this film with uh, Anthony Mackie struggling being at war and all that kind of stuff and seeing that. But at the same time, I mean, that's fine by me. I mean, Anthony Mackie's a great actor, so there's no problem problem with me with that. He's a great comedy actor as well when you see him in, like, other roles, like The Night Before, um, even Pain and Gain. He's really, really – he's very funny. He's very smart at comedy. He's really good I mean it's like you say it's just the perfect fit in this film and you get it's it's a it's the nice one for setting up really the the sort of um unit of of Black Widow Cap and Falcon and that's what you get with this film and we see that unit continue to Infinity War as well and it's just it's just a great great one in terms of in terms of like the cast in terms of you know the um, tag teaming as you want to you know as it's called um, you get the Roman Rodgers as the you know the, the fans call it the mm-hmm. you know Cap and and yeah and that and she is really good in this she she just raises the stakes I love that oh you know I love her first scene um as you mentioned it's like within the first 10 minutes you know I'm here to pick up a fossil just brilliant it's just so good um yeah there's so much to love about this and the action sequences it's just non-stop when it gets going it takes off it's non-stop this one there's so much to say as Anna yeah. said and I think uh, with Romanoff, I think she's very, she's all, every single line she has is kind of, kind of a quick-witted snark yeah. or some put down or some joke or something. And it's kind of, I mean, I, I think I'm okay with it, but I, I, at the same time, it, it's quite relentless. Every time she says something, she never just says it how it is. There's always some sort of, oh, you know, oh, you got that one. Oh, you know, it's just like. I yeah. love that. I love that line when um, when Caps, um, he says to her something, you know, stop lying or you know this. Or, and she's like, I don't know. I only act like I know everything. It's yeah. brilliant. It's so good. She's, you know, she's so smart. But I also like this one because you have Nick Fury who's compromised and we see Nick Fury vulnerable, which is something that we've never seen up until now. And this this um, particular film, it's got two fantastic car chases. I love a good car chase. And in this one, you get two for the price of one. Fantastic. 
Yeah. Um, I think, yeah, well, we get into like the, these different sequences. I mean, that, that car chase with Nick Fury, the when the cars kind of get around Incredible. him. Incredible, yeah. It really is. And it really makes you think to yourself, that's a damn good car. If I want, that's a, it is, uh, yeah. Know, take, they don't get into this like in a big way, but I mean... It, I think I'd have his car if I had his car. <laughs> the amount of stuff that could do is incredible. Well, no, if, if, you're, if you're the world's greatest spy, that's the car you're going to have. Um, but, um, yeah, I just love the fact that every character from Nick Fury to Black Widow to Falcon to Maria Hill, everybody gets yeah. an action beat where they get to display their skills. I, I love that. And again, every single action sequence in this film is memorable. We were talking about Thor The Dark World uh, in the last episode. Think about the action scenes in that film, and is there, are there any which really stand out and like are really big and memorable? Not really, but I can list it off the top of my head just thinking about the Winter Soldier. You've got the opening on the, on the Lemurian star where Captain America's you know, yes. kicking ass and taking names. Um, then you've got the uh, elevator sequence. Then you got the 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 chase sequence with Nick Fury. Then you got the highway battle between Bucky and Cap. Then you got the final battle between. It's just every single one of them is like a mini story in and of itself, um, and that's really really great writing. You know, there's so much as you were saying the bit on the Lumerian star, the bit with um, you know even like um, Nat, the bit where she goes down right, like, yeah. The, yeah. Is it like the stairwell. Yeah, it's just like the born identity. It was obviously I'm a huge fan of born identity, and I was like, that's just like born identity. She was like doing things that you up until then you'd seen someone like Jason Bourne do, and her kind of I find that her in this is um, she plays it very much. Have you seen that film Run Lola Run? Oh, incredible film. Yeah, yeah. Tom Piker. She reminds me so much of Franca Patente in that, like the way, especially like the constant action, constant running. There's just so much that you could take, you can apply this film to other films. You think, oh, that reminds me of that. But I love that other, you know, there's this, um, it's, it's just a very tight film. Nothing feels wasted. I feel yeah, that absolutely. everything feels relevant in absolutely. this one, um, which is quite, which is very unusual because we've all had like moments in the other ones where we say, yeah, that didn't work very well. Um, but this one, it's just so tight. It's just, oh, that's so good. So, so good. You were talking about uh, kind of things which are relevant and stuff. Nick Fury does say, last time I trusted someone, I lost an eye. Exactly. Oh, <laughs> Captain Marvel. Yeah. yeah, picking yeah. up a bit of who mm. did he trust? Was it? Captain Mark, I don't know, but we're going to find out. Uh, it's kind of exciting to think about and, where that's going to lead. And the uh, the bunker on the old army base. Oh, well, um, yeah. And there's been rumours. So is that was that Captain Marvel's bunker? But I don't know. To, I don't really buy that it was. Yeah, that seems like a stretch. That seems like a stretch. But yeah, um, but, um, yeah I was just going to say that you mentioned the relationship between um, uh, Natasha and Steve in this. Um, and I think, you yeah. know, you can not, not only with that relationship, but with practically everybody Steve comes into contact with. Um, you, I love the fact that he brings out the best in people, um, and it, it does that with uh, Black Widow, who learns how to trust people, um, mm. with you know Falcon, who uh, you know, gets back in the game because, you know, I think he has that line, Duke, uh, Captain America needs my help. No reason, uh, no better reason to sort of jump back in. 
he does that with him. Even to the guy, um, sort of, you know, near the in, the in the final act of the film, when the final act is about to start, and Captain America gives that speech, and the guy uh, yes. is like, you know, I'm not going to launch those ships, Captain's orders. He has a way of bringing out the best in people, and that's a thread which sort of continues all the way through the MCU, which I really, really like. Um, yeah. And, you know, Captain America is is one of the few sort of movie characters who I'd follow into battle. Like, I'd follow Captain America, I'd follow Maximus Dexterous in Gladiator, and if I was a big robot, <laughs> I'd follow Optimus Prime into battle for sure. Um those like the three on top of my head, like you know, just innate goodness and leadership. I'm gonna follow that guy, and Captain America's at the top of that list. I was also gonna say I like this one as well because we're introduced to someone else who I think is brilliant in this one, and I think got a rough deal in another film, and that's Agent Thirteen, Sharon Carter. Yeah, no, I I agree. I like. I, I, I think she's yeah. great in this. I think she's very, very good in this. I think they set her up very, very well. I think in Civil War, they, there's a huge mistake in how they played her in that film. Not for me, because I think she deserved better. I think she was set up to be to like be disliked instantly, and I don't dislike her. I think she's yeah. great. I want to see more of her. And well, I, don't, I, I don't think we. Know. I don't think. I don't think we get much of her here. Like I, like she's kind of. I this... think we get a nice tease. It's a very nice tease, and it isn't until right at the very end, when you know her her real yeah. name, yeah. that that should said alarm bells ringing. But it's it's a nice way to introduce her. Um, you see, you know, she can hold her own. She's capable, mm. and I just think the next one they they set her up just for pure, you know, romanticism. Which, in all honesty. Let Cat be happy. He deserves some happiness. The guy was frozen 70 years. <laughs> Let him have some happiness. But I think, I, I just think, yeah, that this one, fantastic. The next, her next uh, appearance, you know, it wasn't her fault. And I, I would I would have liked to see more of her because she is such an important part of his life. Yeah, so no, I completely yeah. agree with everything you said. Mm-hmm. Um, and the fact that she is given that much to do given everything else the yeah. film, you know, is trying to do, I think is, again, the writing in this, Christopher Marcus and Stephen McFeely, you know, deserve all the praise in the world. Uh, they they were very impressive, and Marvel were very wise to keep them on for this film and Infinity War and, and Endgame. And also, we, we have... We do have like Peggy Carter's appearance. Oh, yes. Oh, we should talk about that. Yeah, oh, a very touching, scene. very heartbreaking yeah. scene. Um... And there's one that particular line she says, you know, the world has changed and we can't go pa- we can't go back. You think now you watch it, you think, huh, can you go back though? Because obviously we assume they're gonna go into the quantum realm, go backwards and things in Endgame. But just that scene, the the there's a lot I think the more you watch it, there's there's more and more things to pick up. And as it, that's when she says the line that you know, Steve, um, you saved the man that was to be my husband. He did. You know, she he, said. She said, "You saved a thousand men, including yeah. my husband." And that's what yeah, she says the, when she's in 1955. Yeah, <laughs> but also, can I just say the Smiths that exhibition at the Smithsonian? I I would oh, to go to that exhibition. Can you imagine how good that would be? 
I, I, oh my gosh, that's you know, something that I always get on about. Is, you know, we, 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 saw, we, saw the, we, we saw the film, uh, Sabina, so I feel like I know everything that happened. Like, no. it, 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 uh, it's like, why do you go, you and Arch, why do you go to exhibitions or museums? I, I love going to exhibitions. Yes, but, but that's why I don't necessarily, you know, I just want to see it up close. They were just like <laughs> saying, Captain America's in this and this. I'm like, I know. I'm, yeah, but they use the costumes <laughs> and the costume perspective from the oh, motorbike okay, yeah, yeah. and all that, or you know, or the regalia. Come on, get <laughs> into this with me. Come on, <laughs> get my enthusiasm. Just, just take this. I thought his is an interesting. I was going to say, just take me as your plus one instead, Sabina. Don't don't mind Simon. It's all good. I will. I'm not going to take him. I'm not going to take. He doesn't sing for you. Come on. <laughs> but uh, here's something I noticed: <laughs> Captain America is level eight in shield and fury is level 10 i was I, I was shocked that captain america was eight like that's pretty that's not far off from like coulson coulson was is level eight i think yeah, at this Coulson's point seven isn't he i think he's seven but i think at this point he's level eight yeah. so mm. or thereabouts uh, I, I was a bit like that's a bit lame isn't it he should be a bit <laughs> higher than that but i guess it, you know None he's of that matters. None of, none of it he matters by the end of well, it doesn't matter anyway. By the end of this, you know, shields, you know, yeah. hit the dust anyway. Yeah. You know, they. I mean, I, I, we haven't really talked about much about Bucky yet, uh, the Winter Soldier, and and <gasps> you know, I'll, I'll start with the semi-negative. It's not really even even a negative, but as someone who is a big fan of the comics and everything else, um, I knew who the Winter Soldier was before the film started, um, but I think they handled the reveal as well as they could have done under those circumstances. Um, I don't, if you're a non-Marvel reader, I think it plays much better. Um, so, but unfortunately, that's that's a reaction which uh, I couldn't sort of you know fully experience because of my love for the comments. But that's a very, very, very tiny nitpick. I mean, I, I, what I do love about it is that you know normally you know when I bring up the fact that. Uh, Marvel's villains are sort of the opposite of their heroes. It's in a negative light, but in this in this mm-hmm. instance, it's actually a really interesting positive um, because Steve in this movie is all yeah. about you know he will not compromise his values um, you know when it comes to you know saving the world and being a hero, which you know is is a very strong moral message. Um, you know, Steve is the more compass of the MCU, uh, so you sort of would expect nothing less. Um, but on the other side of that, you got Bucky, who is following orders without question. And he's like the, if Steve sort of, you know, lost his way, that is what he might become. And you got, you got sort of got that on the opposite side of it. And I think that makes things interesting as opposed to cliched and, and boring as it has been. As, as that dynamic has been in previous MCU films. Well, I think they knew from the outset, didn't they, that Bucky, they they were never going to have him as an out-and-out out villain. So however they framed him as this bad guy in this film, which obviously in the context of this film, he is the yeah. antagonist, as it were. Um, but of course, they, they couldn't have him so bad that we're not going to like him again. They knew they were going to use him again. They obviously knew that he had to have his role in Civil War, which was crucial, you know, and then obviously how it goes on. I, do, I find it fascinating that it's the same actor from, from Captain Sebastian America. Sebastian Stan, I feel like he's unrecognisable. Every time I watch it, Sebastian yeah. Stan, yeah, every single time I see him, I'm a bit like, 
he looks completely different. I just, I just feel like he's just such a different person in this film. I just can't equate the two. Even when it has the flashback scene of him at that young point, I'm still like, I don't know. <laughs> I'm not sure if that's the same person. <laughs> yeah, he is. Is he? He um auditioned, didn't he, for um Sebastian Stan auditioned for Captain? That is Mark, correct. I believe he would. I, I don't think he would have been bad, but obviously you he can't really, see if anyone else but Chris really Evans can't. now. And I do think in the role in the role of hmm. Bucky, I think he is he is good, and I think I think that scene when um when his mask comes yeah. off. And you, you know, Steve realizes you you can feel the like the blood drain. I always think you can yeah. feel the blood drain from from him. You know, when something sh- really shocks you and you just Steve feel your body goes and you you get that sense. Yeah, Steve was shook. Yeah, he was shook. Boy was shook. Yeah, but you can yeah you can oh, yeah. feel that with him though. You just see that. Um, and 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 then again on the final one of the final moments in the film when that that. Um, immortal line, you know, I'm with yeah. you to the end of the line, and then you feel it the other way around. You see that realization in, um, in Sebastian Sands' eyes, and I, I think it was, I, I'm pretty sure I read somewhere the Russo said that he, Sebastian Sands, can do just incredible. He's such an incredible actor. He can just, you know, when they say speak a thousand words without dialogue, and his face in that moment, his eyes, you just, you know, it's again, it's that. Thing it's something just goes off in him, and he knows, you know, he gets, he he knows that there's something more to this. It's not just, um, it's not just an assassin out for mission. There's, there's, you know, he. Why would he pull him from the river? You know that there's something, and yeah, it's it's quite a special, absolutely. Scene. And I love. I mean, Marvel. One of the big yeah. criticisms of criticisms of the MCU, which I don't agree with, is that sort of Marvel always has to have like a big CGI battle in the final act. And whilst whilst it's not sort of wholly untrue, there's always there's almost always an emotional undercurrent to those final battle sequences. So 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 in in this movie you got that emotional fight between Bucky and Cap. In Iron Man 3 you got sort of you know uh, Tony and Pepper and the resolution of that sequence. And there are numerous other examples I can list, but Marvel are always really good. It's not just action for action's sake. There's always something else more emotional going on. Um, and I appreciate that. Talking about the action, I think um, <laughs> the amount of little small knives dropping <gasps> from people's hands and catching in another hand. I mean, that I just that's one of my favorite little moves when they and it's because it's so because you just <laughs> there's something about these sharp knives flipping and flopping and just grabbing them and you, oh my gosh, I love it! It's, it's such a great training thing. sequences online. Oh, yeah, the, when... yeah, 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 yeah. Now, uh, Chris Chris Evans released a few of a few of his online as well. It's really impressive. Because so often you you was you know there's that, that whole stigma that actors don't do their own they don't yeah. do their own fight choreography they don't do yeah. they you know it's stunt men and in this you can really you can see it's them and you can see you know the the when you see is even like the elevator elevator scene when you see that slow down and then you see it being rehearsed you see it in the film. I have to and I'm going to use this to transition into talking about the score. Yeah. But speaking of the sequences, I remember watching this film for the first time and my favorite. <laughs> sort of action little my little action piece is when it's after the elevator sequence and it's basically Captain America versus a plane 
and Captain America wins. And honestly, watching that scene for the first time, <gasps> I remember it clearly yeah. because after that sequence, the guy who I sat next to, I'm not sure if I knew him beforehand, but I immediately high-fived him. It was, it was it, it, in, in the screening. I, I was that, because that is, I mean, <laughs> we're talking about, you know, as I mentioned sort of early on, what being a super soldier means. And you've seen numerous instances up to that point, but you've never seen anything which looks that cool before from Captain America. Because the way he lands is just ridiculously awesome. Um, and it's also the only sequence where you hear yeah. uh, Henry Jackman's Captain America theme for this movie in a really triumphant mode. Um because I mean, you 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 hear that theme again, but it's a lot more sad and operatic. You hear that in the sort of the final uh, sort of final battle, uh, and, and it's really beautifully done there as well. Um, but you, you you don't really hear it again, uh, sounding as triumphant as it does in that sequence. And it's just so thrilling uh, to see Captain America being that cool and being that skilled and that powerful, and it's just awesome. Um, if, can, we just, can I just say, if you were sitting next to Amon and you high five and you're listening, can you like email us or tweet us or something? But yeah, it, it, it <laughs> didn't have the high five. What can I say? It was an awesome. <laughs> it's, the, it's, it's my favorite moment of the film, easily. Um, and yeah, I it's one of those ones where you know I, I told you guys before there are times when I don't watch the whole of Infinity War, I just put on the scene where Thor comes to Wakanda. There are times I don't watch Winter Soldier. I just put on that scene and, you know, I'm good. I'm satisfied. I can, I can, get, I can get on with the rest of my day. But um, that sequence is, is superb and it's one that I return to frequently. I always think to myself how, you know, like with music, you, you can create a playlist of your favourite tracks, you know? But you kind of think like with, with, with obviously films and stuff, you know, it would be great to be able to set a playlist up of all your favourite bits of the MCU and just settle down for the night with a bunch of friends and just watch get through them, you know? That'd be great. Fun. Simon, do you know who you're talking to? I have this already. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, you know, if you sell tickets, mate, I'm there. You know what I mean? Okay. I'll be there. Okay. <laughs> I just set just set the prices, you know. I think what, thirty pound a pop. That sounds reasonable. Just a time overcharge. But yeah, no, the, the Henry Jackman score is is really good. It, it got a lot of hate um, actually when Winter Soldier was first released. Um, mainly, well, not mainly, but I think a lot of people really, you know, rightfully so, loved Alan Sylv- loved Alan Silvestri's um, mm. First Avenger theme. And you only hear a tiny, tiny little bit of it in the first of the couple of minutes of this film, but it doesn't pop up again. Um, but I really like what um, Henry Jackman did with this. I think the, the score has aged really well, actually. Uh, Winter Soldier's theme is appropriately scary and moody and suits that character well, especially when he's on the rampage. It's really exciting and energetic. Um, and yeah, I, I've, I like Captain America's theme. I, I just wish we heard... Uh, heard it in sort of you know a big triumphant mode as we do in that scene more than we do um because well, one of the as, as good as you know marvel's themes are uh, across the vast majority of their movies one of the knocks against it and again it's, 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 it's a, a semi-knock is more of a nitpick but you know they don't bring back themes which they've used before they, they're, they're almost always sort of doing something wholly new um and you think about 
you know, Star Wars or Harry Potter, the reason why those themes are, you know, as memorable, a big reason why those themes are as memorable as they are is because they're given prime placement in the mix one, and they're always returning from sequel to sequel to sequel. And it's often the first thing you hear in the movie. Star Wars, you got that fanfare, Harry Potter films, they always start with da, 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 da. Um, the cat, the, the 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 MCU films. There's always a, there's almost always a new theme for each hero, so you don't get that instant memorability. Quality. Apart from apart from Avengers, um, there's, there's always a new theme. Uh, so so yeah, and it, but, and um, it gives it, uh, and it gives them more flexibility with how the films are made and how they're used and how each film and each you know hero they're separate films obviously have a different feel to them we were talking about iron man weren't we and about mm. how starting off with acdc and that's a whole different feel you know because of the music i mean the music is so important is it i don't know if it's hitchcock or somebody who was saying something like you know it's like 90 percent of you know your emotion comes from that music and how the music kind of uh Im- impacts on you so getting that right is crucial absolutely absolutely but um but yeah i mean just going through the Tracks hold. Let me bring up my Marvel playlist. Oh yeah, so I five starred a few tracks from this. Um, Taking a stand. That's the best track on the score by far. Um, I listened to it a lot. According to my iTunes, the play count is very high. Wow. Um, uh, Time to suit up. Great track. End of the line. Brilliant track. That's um when it's in the final battle when the score is at its most sort of operatic and very very sad, but it really really works. Um, and uh, Captain America, um, which is a very sort of sad, moody rendition of the, the Winter Soldier theme, but um, it works really well too. It's, it's, one, it's one of the better ones in the MCU for sure. Okay, well, let's get into costumes, uh, yeah. Sabina. So this is uh, Juliana <clears throat> Makowski, and she hadn't done any MCU stuff until this point, but this was pretty much what she was... She, she was all just Marvel pretty much herself from this point, I think, uh, until yeah, Endgame. You know, in her career, she just kind of committed herself to Marvel and that's it from this this point out. double check that, but I'm pretty sure you're right. But um, when, obviously, as you said, when she... Um, did this one she hadn't be she hadn't worked on any marvel films before and i read that on her first day she was issued with like a stack of comics to mm-hmm. um just to like know right, what she, yeah lovely nice work mm-hmm. you can get it so she knew um she had that familiarity with the foundation um and she it was um she said they wanted like the russos for this one wanted a more realistic look so um these you know, these weren't, these were superheroes, but they could, you know, they could, you know, function and they they existed in like um, Washington as it is today. So they could like walk down the street and not be that easily recognised. They didn't have anything that stood out. Um, but she's talked about how a lot in this film, obviously it was about functionality. The fight sequences are very, very fast. So everything was... Um, was created in terms of flexibility, in terms of comfort, um, and and so that you know it, it outfits could be used for the fight sequences. And as a result, um, she actually built on the um, it isn't the original Captain America suit that Steve um, gets from the museum. It was a newer version because it had been altered to incorporate this. Um, you know, just the the 
the flex, you know, the flexibility again. Um, I like this one because it's the first time we see the stealth suit, which we will be seeing again, it looks like, in an AKA the best Captain America suit of them all. Yes, it's a great suit. Um, so she also, she said she, her personally, her favourite, um, her favourite garments to design was um, Steve's motorcycle jacket because she said she wanted it something to look classic, but it would also be, it would have a modernism to it and it would take him out of the, the 1940s clothes because obviously the guy's living in the, in the modern world now and and yeah he's dressed very i don't use the word basic but you know like gap stuff from gap but i love that scene when um he and nat are in the moor and they're trying to go undercover so they essentially dress like two models from from the gap store you know with the glasses and the hoodies and the sneakers and you know to 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 make themselves um, less conspicuous, they they inadvertently make themselves more conspicuous, which I think is a is quite funny. And I, obviously, that was probably done for for emphasis. Anytime you say Gap, I just think of Crazy Stupid Love and be better than the Gap. Sorry, continue. But um, Marvel have like a set that they build on that they. Um, so she she kind of designed all the new shield and inside uniforms. Um, she so everything was very specific. Everything was you know very kind of military police that you know there there was kind of so they they updated some stuff. They brought in some new stuff. Everything has a, a kind of a dark sort of military look to it. But yes, yeah, great job. Functionality was key for this. There's nothing kind of. Um, in terms of everyday wear, elaborate or showy, everything works very well. And Nick Fury's got that great coat. I always like Nick Fury's coats. And Robert Redford looks very, um, very dashing in his suit. He's good in this. So we haven't talked about Robert Redford yet. Um, yeah, it's, as you were saying, Simon, a couple of weeks ago, that um, the the you know I don't want to say cameos, but the the uh, you know the sporting cast they get in these films are up there with the best of them. It works. And of course, we get uh, Gary Shandling back again. <laughs> so he is nice. great. I just I love whenever he comes up. He doesn't do any. He, you know, he has like well five lines of dialogue or something. But he's just really funny. And that really sinister whisper, isn't it? Hey, Hydra. It's yeah. <laughs> like in that really kind of. Is is uh, inspired a lot? Inspired a lot of funny memes. Yeah, and then we get when then we get uh, Agent Sitwell. Yeah, you know, he turns yeah. out to be a bad guy, but I, I like he he has that weird thing which threw a lot of people with chronology, where he turns around, he mentions Stephen yeah. Strange, and Bruce Banner, Stephen like, Strange, yeah, yeah, Hydra has her eye on Bruce Banner and Stephen yeah. Strange, and uh, from my bit of research as to how the chronology works here, apparently you just have to accept that even if Stephen Strange was just a famous doctor, which he may have been at this point in history. He would have, he's still somebody who could become the type of person who Zola's algorithm would predict would go on to, to be a problem for them. So it doesn't, uh, it, yeah, it, it, it doesn't mean that this one or the Doctor Strange movie takes place earlier. It's actually still takes place later because there's a date right at the start of uh, Doctor Strange. And also this one, we get we get an 
indication of how the Starks died. It kind of that's true, it, you know. And it's yeah, ugh, it's gonna get intense when we do civil war. <laughs> um, but, um, yeah, we get the the sense that how they were assassinated, and yeah, and. Well, I think it's it's just it's just great how I think again it builds up again, doesn't it, to uh, Captain America's position in yes. Civil War, and I, you know, on the surface, the idea of Captain America, the Patriot, America's in his name for God's sake, being the one who's actually more kind of more about the world and more about everybody you know the idea that in this film he's not happy with the consequence of world war ii he's not happy with how things have changed and of course the fact that shield is bad and robert redford alexander price is you know he's played them all uh, and hydra's been infiltrated it just shows you know that it's not just about the one win you know Mm. what i mean it's about maintaining a better a better world and that's what he's fighting for i love i love that little reveal with um with nat with that facial kind of you know thing and she kind of plays plays him at his own game you know did i spoil did i step on your moments that bit I mean, I I, I liked it but a part of me was like i really wished then it was Jenny Agutta, the, the the old lady. I really wish it was actually her doing it. But, but yeah, that would have been quite it. cool. I get it. It's a cool reveal. I do think it's. I do think it's a nice, nice twist. I think it's good. So before we like end, I mean, I think the film ends with you know, obviously Shield, the heli, the brand new helicopter things, heli helicopter. I don't know. <laughs> heli carrier. How do you always get that one? The, <laughs> they're all gone and then at the same time we've got uh you know there's another committee which scott which uh, black widow's at and she's like you'll know where to find me be all smug just like tony stark was because who who needs to be responsible in committees i mean come on you had to be tony uh... stark is not in this movie (laughs) you had to to make it about him good lord Maria Hill goes to Stark Industries, She's of course. Good. You know, that's where that, that's her future um, is set up. Um, so, yeah, I mean, any closing thoughts, really, on uh, Captain America Winter Soldier? I just love it. I love it. I also love it. Um, I mean, just a couple of criticisms, which I do think are, you know, well-founded. Um, they, I mean, the, one of the more interesting things about this movie is that, you know, Captain America is a very black and white guy. This is the first time where he has to operate in the grey, but he doesn't have to operate in the grey for very long because it's quickly revealed that Hydra um, have infiltrated S.H.I.E.L.D. And once mm-hmm. that happens, everything becomes black and white again and, yes. and everything is simplified again. So I get that criticism. I think it's um, you know, very valid. The, the only other thing I'd say is that, you know, I love this film. I love what they do with the Captain America character, not only with this film, but sort of in all the on all, all, all his appearances to come. Um, but I think it's very interesting because this film came out less than a year after Man of Steel came out. And Man of Steel um, sort of brought... Well, first of all, I should say that, you know, aside from the power set and the alien, you know, uh, heritage, there are many similar characteristics between Superman and Captain America. When it comes to sort of their ideals... They're very. There's not that much difference, or at least that's the, that's the way it should be. But the way in which 
Man of Steel brings Superman into the modern world. Um, they change uh, too many things about the character to the point where he's not quite unrecognizable at this point, but there's something not quite right. I think there's, you know, not to make this a Man of Steel podcast, but there's some fundamental problems at the heart of that movie. Um, the way in which the MCU brings Captain America into the modern world, they don't change that character but the world has changed. The world around him has mm. changed. And I think that makes us a lot, us immediately a lot more interesting. And yeah. the way in which they developed that thread, starting with this movie, um, you know, is very, very impressive. Again, you have to give it to the writing of Stephen Marcus and of, of Marcus and McFeely. They really got a handle on that character very, very well. Um, and again, I'm not going to make some man still podcast, but I think the DCEU could stand to learn a thing or two from how Captain America has been portrayed in the MCU. And and I like that they 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 set that up from the go at the right at the beginning of the film. You know, he's there with his notepad, he's, he's learning of like things. Very funny gag. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Internet's so helpful. Yeah. And yeah, it's nice that he's got that list, you know, moon landing crossed off, you know, Thai foods on his list. Um I, which changed, which changed in every country that it was Correct. So if you were if you were watching the film in South Korea, for example, uh, you would get a different list on uh, when he looks at that list. Um, in the UK, for example, it said on our one World Cup 1966, yeah. which it wouldn't say in uh, the US. I, I never, I didn't see that. I didn't see that no. on uh, any sort of video. So I've just taken it as it says, you know, um, you know, moon landing and. Yeah. If, memory, if memory serves, Star Wars is on that list. So his mind is going to be blown when he sees Samuel L. Jackson uh, with a purple lightsaber. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, okay. Um, we've just a final thing I just thought to mention. Um, we have that Hydra thing at the end where they've got Loki's staff yeah, the and they have the twins, Scarlet Witch and Quicksilver, and that's like yeah. the mid credits bit. And that's just a little nice thing. That's really? exciting. We can get to that in Age of Age of Ultron. Yeah. And also, we forgot to mention in the pre in our previous episode that that's the first time we see the Collector. Oh yeah. Well, we'll get into that in our Yondu episode coming up coming up soon. Right. Well, let's wrap up then. That's our Captain America Winter Soldier. We're going to have a very quick break, and then we will be back for Agents of Shield. The the consequence, the fallout of uh, the the destruction of Shield. Okay, so now we're crossing over to the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., who, in the midst of all of this, uh, obviously they are S.H.I.E.L.D. agents, and the Winter Soldier has now revealed S.H.I.E.L.D. to be Hydra, so that means uh, good old Agent Coulson and Sky and May and all the crew, Fitz and Simmons, they're all going, oh, everything's gone crazy. Um, <laughs> this this is, honestly, rewatch it, or not rewatching, watch it for the first time, all these things. I was looking forward to how this was going to play out. Uh, Amon, did you watch this while it was like, you must have been mind blown having watched it at the cinema and then watched the series and all that kind of thing? Uh, I was really into it at this point. Um, and the storylines were taking really big swings, and almost all of them were landing on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Um, I really like what they're doing with Fitz and Simmons, and that whole experience that they go through brings them a lot closer and to 
that the, the, the dynamic between those two characters is one of my favorite things about the show going forward. Um, every character was improved thanks to what happened in the Winter Soldier. Ward, <laughs> Ward especially, because Ward is sort of revealed as like the, the a Hydra sort of, you know, traitor. Um, yeah. And yeah. the way in which that impacts his relationship with uh, with Coulson, with Sky, with May, it's really interesting and powerful. And I love the way that it concludes um, in at the end of the season as well. You get, um, I think Nick Fury shows up in the season finale, which is really, really cool to see. Um, as well, there, yeah. There, yeah. There, there's so much going on in those final six episodes, and that's when Shield really started to come into its own, um, and you really started to get a sense of what the series might you know, sort of you know go on and develop itself to be. Because I think up to that point, Shield had only lasted one season. I don't think many people will have been that upset were it to have been cancelled. But after those final six episodes. You know, you wanted to know what happened next with these group of guys, um, because you know, Shield was in tatters. Um, you know, the, the characters just got a lot, instantly got more interesting. Um, so yeah, yeah Captain America: The Winter Soldier is so good that it made Agents <laughs> of Shield better. That is how good Captain America: The Winter Soldier is. Amazing. Man, you're, you're 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 spot on. I mean that that Ward character, as I said in the last couple of episodes, like I was like, oh, you're you're awful. You are like, and 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 I'm afraid to say, sorry, Brett Dalton. I didn't think I thought he was part of the problem. Like he was just this cheesy guy. I'm like smiling and clever and falling in love with everyone. I'm amazing. But was, Your Ward impression is spot on, Sam. He talks exactly like that. It's uncanny. People say I'm a lot like him. <laughs> Uh, no, but there's that great line in it. This is I wrote this down because I thought it was just incredible. And who is it? I can't remember who it was. I think it was uh, the Flowers Girl, uh, Ruth Negger's character, who turns around and she says, uh, "You don't seem like her type with regards to Sky." And he turns around, and he just goes, "I'm everyone's type." And you're like, "Oh, you're such a bastard!" <laughs> but at the same time, it's kind of amazing that you can be so smug because that's literally how I felt the whole time that you're that much of an idiot but i i thought it like it was an incredible switch and it has worked out very well so so far um i also like because maria hill turns up as well and yeah. as it's after the winter soldier the when she meets up with may she turns around and she goes uh pepper i'll call you back in 10 so you're like oh pepper pots on the other end of the line mm-hmm. i thought it was nice um and, we, oh, get to see the, we get to see the flash drive again the, ah. the winter soldier flash drive and yeah Message yeah. from the grave, so to speak, from Nick. And, and yeah, loads yeah. of little bits in this one. Well, that's the thing as well with Nick Fury is, I mean, like the, his appearance is not like at the start of the series, he's in like a cameo. It's like one scene and it's like, fine, that's nice. But that's, you know, you kind of think that's all you're going to get. But actually, he's quite a substantial part in that final episode. And so that's kind of cool, especially considering we don't really see much of him from this point in the MCU and, and onwards for the for the for a while now um you know but i think it's kind of great to see him there that's kind of cool um we also get mention of project tahiti yeah magical place it's a magical yeah. place you're great um yeah well it, well it kind of wraps all that up by this yeah. point i mean um we kind of know that agent coulson has the, the, the alien yeah, the alien juices inside of him and all that. Uh, and Sky is survived because of that. Um, 
You also get a new character turn up, which is Agent Triplet. Love him. Who uh, turns out he was he's, he's amazing because he was the grandson of a howling commando. Yes, he is. You know? So that's pretty cool. Pretty cool. Um, pretty cool. But like these little things are just like, I just really like, I like it. Patton Oswalt turns up as well. Um, but like, uh, yeah, you're, I mean, you're spot on though, uh, Amon. Like this, these uh, like six, seven episodes, whatever it is, it, like it utilizes the amazing link it has with obviously the MCU. But I think at the same time for all the roles, they get far more interesting as a consequence of it. Um, and that, that's just great. I don't know. I think, you know, having said that, there is a scene, I think, in one of the last episodes where a car, the, the Lola car, is falling from the sky, and it is possibly the worst special effects I've ever seen. Um, <laughs> I, I, I remember the scene you're talking about. It's, yeah. TV budget, man. Leave them alone. So I... <laughs> so, I'll just I'll 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 put that to the side. <laughs> I mean, it's like on the one hand, you're like Samuel Jackson in an episode, good, but uh, that's, and, that's and awful special effects. That's where the budget went to Samuel yeah, Jackson. Yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> on that but, one um, episode, <laughs> but the way it fits chronologically, apparently, is how the season two basically you've got Guardians of the Galaxy all of season two, pretty much, and then uh, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Two because they're all quite closely linked. So I'm curious as to how that links. I think it's something to do with aliens and the alien juice in uh, uh, Coulson. But yeah, that, that that's the set of, that's where we're going with this. But yeah, it is great considering their whole job is gone and how they have to rectify that. So that's, a, it's a great, great end of the series. I um, think the, pre- I think the trailer for series six has just been launched. It has. I've just seen it. It looks very interesting. But we're getting far ahead of ourselves. Simon's only on yeah. season one. No spoilers here. Yeah. <laughs> no spoilers. No spoilers. <laughs> okay. Uh, so that will be our Shield conversation for this episode. Of course, we'll probably have Shield conversations quite often uh, in the coming episodes. So, so that'll be fun fun to do. Okay. But uh, we'll start ranking where we're going to be placing Captain America, the Winter Soldier. Okay, it's time to rank Captain America, the Winter Soldier. Um, uh, go on, go, you go first. Okay, so we're gonna go. We're gonna start from the bottom, and then uh, <laughs> to quote Mr. Drake, um, right, The Incredible Hulk, Thor: The Dark World, Iron Man Two, Iron Man Three, Captain America: The First Avenger, Thor. Iron Man 1, at number 2, Avengers Assemble, at number 1, Captain America, the Winter Soldier. There it is. There it is. See, you know, it's a tough one to not necessarily disagree with. (laughs) Um, I will say, with me, I think... Okay, I'll tell you my problem with this. <laughs> we just had an entire podcast talking about this movie. Come on! It's not, it's, not, it's not a big one, but it is a vital quibble to differentiate from where I'm going to ultimately put it in second place. 
to Avengers Assemble. Okay, <laughs> the reason why it is not at the top is because, generally speaking, it often feels a bit grey and blue and white, and that seems to be the only colours in the film. It just feels like it lacks. It sometimes feels a bit dry on the colour palette. Does that make sense? Boo. It's very grey. It's a very, Boo. it's a very, it's a minor. <laughs> <laughs> That is that is my uh, weak justification very weak. to put it ultimately in very weak. Good lord! But I have to I have to have something to justify one from the other. To be fair, I thought you might have ranked it below the Dark World, so it's better than nothing, I suppose. <laughs> no, 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 no! It's a five star film without a doubt. It's right up there. It's a brilliant, brilliant film. I'm just saying it's a very minor justification to why it's slightly lower. But I, you know, they, they're 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 both both Avengers Assemble and Captain America Winter Winter Event, Winter Soldier are both like you know five star incredible films. Yeah, without a doubt. Okay. Sabina, what about you? Top of the list. Hey. Top, Top of, of the, the list. list. Easy, easy, easy. Yeah, I, I love it. Well, yeah, I really, really do. I love it. Well, I think that's going to be the one to beat, isn't it, really, from, from this point forward? I've, I, I have a few which I think will feel like. But if I'm honest, honest, I was watching one the other night and I was thinking to myself, you know what? I, I, I liked it a lot more than I remembered. And that's kind of thrown me for a loop. Even Thor The Dark World, the last time I watched it, I put a lot higher. And this time I'm much less, I'm much colder on it. So, yeah, things may change even when we do rewatch. But there you go. Captain America Winter Soldier, pretty much at the top of everybody's, except mine, because I'm a meanie and I like colour, <laughs> like in Avengers Assemble. Oh, so that's for me. That's... You're gonna, so you're going to put Guardians of the Galaxy top then if you like colour? Going on that logic. That's right. Uh, hey, you, 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 you <laughs> yeah, may be right. You I are. I, I am right. There you go. Can't go wrong with, with a nice colourful pack. a nice blue yondu. Okay. Uh, there you go. <laughs> brilliant, brilliant. Okay. So that is our uh, Jim Robinson episode uh, for you all. Um, you can find me at Screen Insights on uh, Twitter. You can find us all at Marvel Rap. Uh, where can people find you, Amon? On your left. Uh, no. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, you can find me on the Twitterverse uh, at A Woman. All right. And Sabina. <laughs> I stop laughing. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Twitter at Sabina Stent. And you can send all, all like abuse to Simon because he's the one that, you know, who who always has to has to be um the kill controversial joy. on these things. Yeah. The killjoy, exactly. Right. Despite the fact that I said it's an amazing film I'll give rate five stars. But okay. I, I get it. All right. See you in the next episode. Hello, it's the end game moment. We can talk a little bit about end game. You found us in our secret lair. Um, Amon, what is the rumor or theory or bit of talking stuff about end game you've got for us? So, I've got a theory, um, and it's one which is not sort of you know, uh, you know, born out of this film only, it's sort of born out of the Captain America character. Um, but you know, 
as is sort of, you know, heavily stated in this film and in films to come, Captain America doesn't compromise his uh, values and um, his morals uh, when it comes to saving the day. Um, and I find it interesting because, you know, it's even started in the, in the Avengers when they had, when he had that conversation, that argument with Tony and Tony is like, Tony would just cut the wire. Um, and then there's a conversation in age of Ultron where, um, you know, Tony is arguing in defense of his idea, um, and saying that we'll lose if we fight the way we've been fighting. And Cap is like, we'll do it together. Um, and in Age of Ultron, they win that fight. But in Infinity War, they don't win that fight. And Captain America's entire worldview has been shaken. So I think if the Avengers are going to win the day in Avengers Endgame, I think Cap is going to have to embrace Tony's philosophy a little bit and come up with a, um Iron Man-esque solution uh, to the problem if he's going to outwit Thanos and win the day. That is my theory. Yeah, because um, that that's a very interesting point there because obviously Civil War was built on their different perspectives on how they, they should live as superheroes, how they should fight as superheroes. And um, obviously there was more to the falling out than than that but um yeah that's a really interesting thing and because as as we we said with this one the world has changed and and that's something peggy even says to him the world has changed um and so he can't be that kind of golden 1940s boy anymore and things aren't um as they used to be and tony's always lived in the modern world and so he's a bit more ruthless he's he's loyal but Cap's loyalty is is obviously he's always um, prided himself on his loyalty, and and that is something that has kind of not always gone his way. So yeah, the thing that he might um, you know adapt his thinking a little bit more is is a very interesting point. Um, obviously, we have like in the next well in civil war we'll have like the two camps, and we we won't get into that just yet um but i I never thought that Thanos and the whole captain american Thanos thing uh i if anything, they all came together anyway, they tried to fight him on his, on Thanos's kind of terms or on, on their terms on in terms and and it didn't work um so i don't I don't think there's a conflict i think at this stage between Cap and Iron Man? There's not at the moment, but obviously it's more than, it's more than um, how they, it's more than the Accords. It gets deeply, deeply personal. Oh, no, um, I know. Yeah. In Civil War, yeah. in Civil War yeah, it does, but, but I, I think, think Thanos this... has forced them to kind of put those things, differences aside and work together. Well, it's so a... I don't... It's going to have to change tack. I think there's like the you know long like short answer is is going to he may he may have to change tack and he might have to do things that as Amon said compromise what he thought was compromising his his ethics. Um, if that's the way to reverse the mess, so to speak, if it, it have to be done. 
in the trailer, of course, um, Black Widow says, "You know, this is going to work, Steve." Yeah. yeah. In a kind, of, in a sense, almost like he might not believe it will work. It might not. Yeah. It's not his belief system. It's not something he thinks may work. But ultimately, as he says, we haven't got a choice. Mm. I mean, this is the only play we have. Yeah. So you may be right, and that very the very brief bit of footage that we've even seen from the film kind of alludes to that, I guess. I hope I I don't want it. You know, we were talking about trailers giving like spoiling bits and and bobs. Um, I don't want to see any more teaser trails for Endgame. I would be happy if that was it because I don't really want to. You know, I think they've given us. They've given us a nice amount, and we're all speculating on what what could happen. So I think I would be more than content just to go in. It would be a nice way to avoid traders as well. Um, if they said that's your little taste, you know, it's less than three months away. Just wait until you see for yourself. It'll save us all jumping to, you know, people saying, oh, well, we, you know, so-and-so's been, you know. But then again, they said that the, um, Don Cheadle and Mark Ruffalo was recently spotted in Atlanta doing their reshoots, um, which you, you kind of expect them to be back anyway. But, yeah, I, I would be happy just to have, just, just to let, let us all speculate on what Steve's plan is and then we can just go into the film and go, huh, we were completely wrong, as I said last night. We said, "Yeah, I think it's just. I think the yeah speculation on on these things is all is all fun, and I like I like your your reasoning. I like your your yeah. A part of me agrees with you with the fact of not wanting more footage. The other part of me is like, I need more fuel for my montage. Give me more footage now." That, okay. Uh, yeah. So, so yeah, I'm. How would I'm you feel? How, how would you feel if they released the trailer on the day the film came out? Maybe. Well, I'm trying to release my mom's house at least a couple of weeks before, so that's too late for me. Yeah. Okay. Kevin, I'll the beginning of the week. Then. Come on now, just just send it to me directly. Email us. Just send, yeah, just email us. DM our mom. Well, <laughs> um, yeah. But uh, but yeah, uh, I mean, it's not a movie that needs any sort of marketing at all. Uh, everyone and their mother is going to see Avengers Endgame, uh, regardless <laughs> regardless of how many trailers, posters, you know, people are going to see that movie. It is at the best, you know, cliffhanger we've seen in films for a long time. Um, and everybody wants to know what happens next. You know, between, between that and Game of Thrones, which airs the first yeah. episode about a week before Avengers Endgame comes out, by the way. The internet is going to lose its goddamn mind. Um, but, uh, yeah, um, people are going to see that movie. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm pretty sure I read somewhere that they, they, they're not going to use any footage, that any trailers and publicity is only going to come from the first one. I saw that quote. I saw that quote and I watched the interview and what Kevin Pike said. And it. I can't help but think, like, I, I, I saw a fair few people say, like, you know, yeah, there shouldn't be any trailers and da 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 da. And I can imagine to some extent the MCU, the Marvel people are probably feeling the same, They but they need a publicity campaign. So by using this footage, the limited stuff which they've shown so far, and it's probably going to remain very limited, even though we'll probably see newer stuff, 
um, I think they're going to be very cagey about everything. And I don't, and I think they know they don't, they have got no problem. Yeah. What have they got to yeah. lose? They, they, they're not going to miss, they're not going to lose out on anything. They've done everything perfectly. They've got a little bit I mean, of flexibility. Yeah, here. I mean, again, know? see, a part of me is like, you know, first 20 minutes, okay, you know, you do you, that's fine. The other part of me is like, this is going to be the last Avengers trailer for this roster as we've known it for the past decade. Do you do, I mean, whether it's in the first 20 minutes or like, you know, something from later on in the movie, you have to give something awesome for audiences to latch onto. Um, and I think they're going to go out with a bang in that final trailer because the second trailer for Marvel movies, they always, always go in. Um, especially when it comes to Avengers movies. So, you know, I would not be surprised if that 20 minute quote is actually incorrect when it's all said and done. Mm. Well, we, 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 we will see. I mean, it's, it's not long. Um, so yeah, yeah, we, we will see very soon. I'm sure. Okay. Uh, that'll wrap us up and we'll see you next one. The next episode is the Yondu episode, which is both guardians of the galaxy films. (laughs) Thank you.